why don't you guys take like a little picture of your recording setup at home too just to just to show just we we can be like yeah, it's a real professional setup in andrew's closet and <laughs> yeah with my dresser right <laughs> butting up to me <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Energy Strong podcast presented by SPL. My name is Patrick Schauer. I'm joined again by Andrew Parker, Director of ESG at SPL. How's it going, Andrew? Good. How's it going, Patrick? Good. And Kat Galloway, the President and Founder of Bright Sky Environmental in Austin, Texas. How are you doing, Kat? Hey, doing great as always. Happy to be here to talk about energy and, and, and how things are going in the oil and gas world today. Awesome. Well, our first and only guest today is Tom Slocum, the founder of the Texas Well-Protected Energy Foundation. He's going to be joining us to talk a lot about well plugging and abandonment in Texas, specifically for orphan wells, which has become a, a big problem in Texas in recent years. And you heard our last interview with Mayor of Thornton, Jan Coleman, talking about plugging and abandoning wells uh, near housing developments. This is a little bit of a different situation, but Tom will get a lot more into that as we go. We will be right back to the Energy Strong podcast, but we want to tell you about our sponsor, Bright Sky Environmental, a consulting firm that is dedicated to the energy industry. Based in Texas, Bright Sky specializes in air permitting compliance and environmental due diligence for upstream and midstream operators. They have also just opened up a crypto integration consulting group to help operators reduce flaring while adhering to environmental rules the right way. Visit their website at brightskyenv.com. That's Bright skyenv.com or follow them on LinkedIn for more information. And now back to the show. So I'm happy today to introduce our guest, Mr. Tom Slocum. As you mentioned, he is the founder of the Texas Well-Protected Energy Foundation. Tom is a Houstonian. He grew up in the oil field, fourth generation oil and gas, um, and he's a staunch defender of the oil and gas industry. He champions new innovation within the industry and wants to see the energy industry create jobs and put hands back to work. He recognizes the weaknesses that we have in the industry, especially here in Texas, and he's working with leaders to help develop solutions for these challenges. He's passionate about plugging and abandoning wells properly, which you're going to hear here shortly. <laughs> um, he's also rumored to be running for Railroad Commission, but you'll have to ask him that yourself. Tom, welcome to the Energy Strong Podcast. Hey, Kat. Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm pretty excited to be here on the Energy Strong Podcast. So wonderful to join everyone here today and uh, discuss uh, anything that y'all want to talk about, but especially P&As and, and orphaned wells and uh, the situation that lays ahead of us here in the decommissioning world. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that, that, that part of the mission of the Texas Well-Protected Energy Foundation is education, okay? So let's. what I'd like to do is start off this conversation for our listeners to learn a little bit more about what plugging and abandonment is. So Tom, could you walk us through what is an orphaned well and why are they a problem? Right, so people, um, they, they use all kind of nomenclature to, to discuss these wells. And some people say, use the term abandoned well, 
which I actually really hate that term because uh, in my world, abandoned well means the well's already been plugged because we use that simultaneously with the word plug, plugged in, abandoned, meaning we're done with it. It's been properly plugged. Um, an orphaned well, though, uh, technically speaking here, the, we, the, the, the term we use, orphaned well, means a well that is now a ward of the state meaning the state of Texas or the federal government or another state where that well is located, depending on the jurisdiction, the land in which it resides. If it's on a federal lease in uh, Wyoming or Colorado, well, then that's an orphaned well that belongs to the feds. But if it's on private or land or state land here in Texas, then it's an orphaned well within the state of Texas. And so these different branches of our government are responsible for the proper plug and abandonment of the well at that point. And they use bonding money and taxes to help pay for that abandonment. And so um, regardless of whether or not people want to admit we have this huge problem with orphaned wells, it does exist. And there isn't much being done about it really at the state level. But orphaned wells are a responsibility of the state that they end up being orphaned because the oil company, listen, they went bankrupt, and that happens every now and then. Uh, when companies go bankrupt, anytime there's good assets, they'll, they'll take those good assets out of bankruptcy. Somebody will come along and buy them, especially when oil is $80 a barrel. There's a line of people at the door. However, some of those assets do wind up being uh, sent to the state, and they're added to the list, and we just can't seem to get down below 5,000 in the state of Texas, unfortunately. Uh, we plug about 1,400 every year, and we're doing better at that with the money we do get, uh, but it's still, it's just unfortunately not enough, so we're working on solutions to combat that and and fix that problem here, and Kat has joined me in this endeavor to see it through and uh, produce some results here for the taxpayers in the state of Texas. So we, we would love to leave a positive impact within the industry and uh, actually earn the respect of, of everyone knowing that we're doing the right thing. So you said, Tom, that there are about 5,000 orphan wells currently on the books in Texas. Did I hear that correctly? Correct. Yes. And it seems that we get about fourteen to 1,500 added every year because that is the amount that we plug about every year. And uh, we always end up with the same amount left on the list. So uh, maybe they're whittling down a little bit, but at this rate, it's going to take us a very long time um, to ever get it down to zero. And I'm afraid that we may not get there um, quick enough and that these orphan well counts will be continually used against us to try to point the finger at an industry uh, instead of really what is more of an inept government. Um, Because remember, when the company goes bankrupt, the money that you had as an operator, I've been an operator before twice uh, with some partners, that money, bonding money, if you go bankrupt, goes straight to the state of Texas. It goes, in fact, to the legislature, and that money becomes fungible. It does not go to the Railroad Commission in Texas. You would think, oh, that money would be tied to the well bores, right? No, that's wrong. And so if a, a whole slew of companies went bankrupt tomorrow, all that bonding money would go to the state of Texas. It would not go to the Railroad Commission, 
and the people of the Railroad Commission would have to beg and plead the state to increase the amount of money they're getting to handle orphaned wells, essentially, increase their budget uh, to handle that increased amount of orphaned wells. Uh, luckily, you know, the future right now holds for at least probably the next three years high commodity prices, which should tend to leave companies from going bankrupt. So hopefully we won't have more than 1400 being added to the list maybe next year. Maybe it'll be a lot less. But we can't count on high commodity prices to, uh, you know, bring down the amount of orphaned wells we have because we still have these 5,000 there, right? So it's kind of a bad situation to be in. It's a liability situation. It's got to be addressed. But it's not the amount that organizations like Carbon Tracker uh, bring out. You know, it's not those numbers. And so we have to be very clear when we're talking about liability here. Um, Carbon Tracker likes to say that we've got, you know, just a god-awful billion dollars of, of liability. Um, my math comes out a little bit different. Um, you know, using pretty conservative numbers, I'm, I'm more in the $175 million, $200 million range. And that's, that's more realistic. And that's a number that we can come together actually as an industry and uh, together with nonprofits, and we can fix that. That's, 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 that's a doable thing. It's not some out-of-control number, billions of dollars. It's $175 million. People raise money for charity all the time. You know, there, there's definitely good uh, things that come out of this, eliminating orphaned wells. It's good for the environment. It's good for the state of Texas. It puts people back to work. Plugging wells alone generates revenue. It's a good thing for the state of Texas. So we're out here to protect water, which every time you plug a well, you're protecting groundwater, right? We're, we're out here to do everything we can to show the industry actually cares about the situation and if we can turn these wells into carbon sinks and start sequestering all kinds of things inside of them and getting carbon credits for it, you know, there's, there's so much in the future here we have in the P&A industry that we can look forward to. And uh, we'll be able to do a better job plugging our wells, hopefully documenting everything as well, producing what I call, you know, a really nice insurance policy for your, for your plugging program. And that's at the end of the day as an operator you want to make sure those wells are plugged right. You don't want problems in the future. There's lots of examples of that, of wells that have been plugged incorrectly, and, and it's really sad what happens, the amount of money that has to be spent by those same operators. They have to go out there and rectify the situation and remediate whatever the problem is uh, with a leaking well bore. And so if you do it uh, right the first time, which doesn't involve an insane amount of money, it involves maybe an extra three or four or five thousand dollars worth of cement and running some cement bond logs. That's it, you know. And you've got a cheap insurance policy. You're set. And so people have to pay more attention to well plugging now when you're an operator um, because there's so much liability associated with it. And if you're not a super major and you run into one of these problems, it's going to hurt it's going to hurt real bad and you're not going to want to deal with that pain. I promise you. Tom, you touched on the environmental impacts just a little bit, but maybe expand on that idea a little bit more. And why do we care about plugging these wells? You know, they're not, they're not owned necessarily. They're not producing, but they still pose a number of threats to the environment. You mentioned groundwater, 
And certainly in the current conversation of emissions from the industry, they're also a big source of fugitive emissions to the atmosphere, methane in particular. So speak a little bit, if you can, to to some of the environmental impacts and why plugging these wells is is a critical piece of uh, the greening of the uh, industry. Yeah. So um, if, if we want to be able to prove exactly how we're protecting the environment, there's no better way to do that than with things like a cement bomb log or things like third-party witnessing to submit tests. Um, you know, I think it's probably 30 or 40% of the time a railroad commission uh, inspector will actually show up to witness a cement test. It's not very often. Um, what, what we need is we need a better verification process of the PNA process, which we have actually started to develop within Texas Well Protected Energy Foundation. Um, and we've got a way to do it using blockchain technology where we can actually put these records, uh, you know, on the internet basically forever uh, stored um, so anybody can see how a well was plugged, which basically clears an operator. And, uh, you know, it's, it's basically, hey, here's my, here's my, uh, all of our homework that was done on this thing. Anybody can see it. And not only is it what we did, but it's the well records that we had when we started the job. Here's everything that's ever been done to this well from day one every record possible so so tom if if a well is not if a well isn't properly pnaed what are some of the potential environmental impacts or what are some examples of of maybe things that you've seen um, that can shed some light on what the potential problems can be if this isn't done properly yeah, well, I've seen numerous, and, and I've been invited to plug some of these wells, and some of them are just flat-out dangerous to be around. The most dangerous thing I've ever been around in my life was a well in Montvelview, Texas, that was uh, in the, surrounded by, I, I won't say whose industrial areas, and this well had gas bubbling out of the ground around it. Uh, actively just coming out of the ground everywhere. So um, we kept everybody's vehicles away, nobody smoking around this thing. Um, and we had to go in there and spend a little bit more money than usual and come up with some innovative methods. I had to buy an $80,000 tool, and we left an $80,000 inflatable uh, test packer in the hole. Uh, usually they, they rent those offshore to test your risers, they're massive. This thing was like a 38 inch or 40 something inch inflatable packer. We actually left it in the hole. And I, uh, I did that after cutting and pulling a many strings of pipe out and we, we got the gas turned off. And, uh, so for maybe a, a hundred $120,000, something like that, we turned a, a complete nightmare off. But, you know, I, I've been around some very nasty wells. That's dangerous. But the environmental aspect that really is a big concern is the groundwater, really. And the air is, is a big thing too, methane. But I think people fail to realize how much groundwater we have in America because it's nothing you see, right? You never see, oh, this well, there's groundwater. People don't think about it, right? You know, and... We only have so much groundwater that's fresh in America. 
those are vital resources and those are finite resources, especially in West Texas where farmers are told at a certain point, hey, you can't, that's it, you're cut off now. So as good as your crops are, you better pray for rain because you can't use any more water out of the aquifer. That's a, that's a big problem, right? But protecting the water, that's the main concern. Keeping people um, free of pollution, keeping landowners happy, producing positive scenarios and not negative scenarios is what we need to be about and it's not going to cost us an arm and a leg hey look we got eighty dollar oil right now okay we're headed to a hundred dollar oil right now we're going to have the margins to do the things that we need to be doing doing them the right way setting the right example the technology exists let's use it let's put on a show for everyone and show people how to do things the right way so there's a big bill going through congress right now that is being voted on or trying to be voted on. And a big part of that is climate change and addressing climate change in, in our infrastructure. Is there money in any of those infrastructure bills for uh, P&A activity that will go to organizations like yours to uh, plug more wells? You know, I, I would like to think that there is, but chances are there are not. And so the way I understand the way the bill is written um, and the way it's going to be passed, states will qualify for up to a certain amount of money um, in, a, in a one-time deal. And I think Texas will qualify for around $30 million or so is, is last time I checked. And uh, the state of Texas will get that money, and then the state will be responsible for doling it out. So if the state of Texas decides, you know what, nonprofits are great. You know, we're going to allow nonprofits to apply for this money, basically, uh, then, then wonderful. But I don't see uh, nonprofits being put at the top of the list for that. Um, I, I see the state agencies putting put, being put at the top of the list for those grants and actually having the resources to actually apply for the grants and going through the process. Um, you know, so the, the federal government's not going to make it easy to get your hands on this money, and the money is going to be limited. So there's going to be a lot of hands in the cookie jar on the state side trying to figure out how they can even try to get their hands on it, if, if possible. I think nonprofits can do it with full transparency, by the way, and show you where all the money goes. Right. And show you that a lot of it is being spent directly way more than the government spends when they do a project. And I would love to compare that and really just show the government up and say, hey, look, private industry and private citizens can come together and solve a problem before you all can. And we can do it way cheaper. And here's the here's the receipts. If you want to see it all, it's all open source. Basically, here, come look at all of it. And look at our records, too, by the way. And we do a better job. And here's our records. Where's y'all's records? You know, and just totally just blow them out of the water. And uh, Kat and I have a design to do this and document everything very well. And we, we would love to work with other nonprofits and get everybody on the same page. So the more industry we have involved in this, the better at the end of the day, because it's a feather in our hat. It's a flag we can fly proudly. And there's nothing negative associated with it. You know, the railroad commissioners may not like it because it exposes the underbelly of the state of Texas and they don't want to talk about that. Um, but it's, it's a problem that needs to be solved and I'm 38 years old and this is not going anywhere in my lifetime. So my generation, we're going to fix this. All right. So Tom, you talked about how Texas well protected is 
working to develop some standards and and working to get this money separately from how the state gets it. How are you working with the Railroad Commission in terms of making sure that things are are done in a way, one, that the state wants, but also how are you working to make the state's process more efficient? Yeah, so I actually um, contacted the good people, the fine people of the records department and uh, had conversations with them, and, and I've got a contact there. And so if we find a well that's orphaned, I can run the information by them they will see if it's on their plugging list. And if it's not to be plugged, <clears throat> then we can put it on our plugging list, essentially. And so they, they are working with us to make sure that if we want to go plug a orphaned well, you know, we can check it out and, and let them know what we're doing. And uh, by all means, uh, I don't think they would complain if I showed up tomorrow with an 18-wheeler full of gold bars and said, give me all of them. I'm going to do all of them right now, you know? So um, I don't think anyone's going to tell me no, right? So uh, that's that's the deal. Uh, they're willing to work with us uh, in that regard. But beyond that, it, the reception hasn't been as positive as we would like it to be. Uh, I've, I've talked to CEOs of some of the big companies in Midland, and they were like, well, you know, if the Railroad Commission thinks it's a great idea, sure, we'll be involved. And then we talked to the Railroad Commission, and they're like, well, you know, if, if they think it's a great idea, sure, we'll be involved. And that's exactly the conversations we had within, within 24 hours with both groups of people. So that shows you where the industry and the agencies are with this topic. That's the level that they want to be involved in. And that, that should tell you that their level of wanting to be involved is nil. Because if they wanted to be involved, all they would have to say is, yes, let's be involved. How do we do it? I kind of took that as a negative response from industry here in Texas and from the commission itself, unfortunately. And uh, maybe they'll change their tune one day. I don't know. But... Um, there's there's problems we have at the commission, um, and listen, I, I've been working in this industry for 15 years as a consultant, primarily in the past five or six years. But before that, I was on the service company side of things, doing offshore work. Man, P and A work is man, that's some of the crappiest work in the industry. Really, it's not fun. And uh, then I went to work on the operator side, but it was on the small operator side. You know, I didn't work for anyone big. And we, we had hard times, man. And so I've been through the ringer in this industry, and I, I love oil and gas. So I am sitting here uh, wondering why we can't get these problems solved and Austin and reaching out to people in the community that want to be a part of solving the problem and recognize that there's issues here that we could easily fix, right? This this math isn't killer math, you know. If we if we did all of the 5,000 wells and they cost us $35,000 each, it's $175 million. Okay, you, you mean to tell me we can't raise $17 million a year over 10 years uh, if we implement some kind of fundraiser program, um, you know, nationwide, like, McDonald's has one at the drive-through. Maybe we put one at the gas pump. You know, I mean, there's so many things we can do. Maybe, uh, maybe operators match how much money we raise at the pump. You know, I mean, it's so simple. If you want to make something happen, if people want to make something happen, they'll make it happen. 
If people want to raise $17 million a year to make this problem disappear, they'll do it. So, Tom, if... If someone is interested in getting involved and they want to help the TWPF get involved in plugging these orphan wells, um, how should they get in touch with you? Um, Give us some details on on website and contact. Um, Tell us where they can go. Yeah, so you can go to visit our website, twpef.org, and from there you can contact us. There's a little uh, form you can fill out. It'll send us an email. And myself and Kat Galloway will definitely be in touch with you, let you know how you can contribute. Uh, we're, we're trying to plan to do some fundraisers here. COVID's kind of put a damper on things. Uh, you know, the price of oil put a damper on things when we got started. But things are looking more brighter now that things are opening back up and commodity prices are higher. Uh, we know we're going to get the opportunity that we need to make this organization successful here in the near future. And we're going to bring lots of attention to what's going on in Texas when it comes to orphan wells and the scope and the size of the problem and put things in the proper lens, you know, and the better thing to do is do the proper accounting on what we really do have and then start addressing the problem and making it disappear and that you eliminate that talking point. Uh, yeah, you know, there's just, there's, there's opportunity here and people have to see it. They got to open their eyes and they got to see it that if you actually want to help the industry, that this is what we need to be doing here. And you got to make people care about the industry enough to realize that the other side of the coin here, they're coming after our heads. They want us completely shut down. They're, they're begging OPEC right now for more oil, right? Like, what in the hell is going on here? You know, like, this doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, gas prices are up 500% in the U.K., and uh, they think that producing more oil in Saudi Arabia is going to help lower the natural gas price. Like, that's, that's kind of funny, too. Yeah, Tom, I had one question for you, too. You, you had mentioned at the top that the money that companies put up for bonding when a company goes bankrupt and these wells become orphaned, that it goes into the state's general fund and not necessarily assigned to the Railroad Commission for, for the P&A of the well. So organizations like Texas Well Protected are coming in to help fill that gap. But is there something else that you guys are looking at doing within the state legislature to help make sure that those funds that companies put up in the first place actually stick to the well bore? Yeah, I would love for some of our representatives to, to take up that challenge. Uh, and I would, I would totally be a proponent of some legislation to address that. I'm, uh, I'm, constantly talking to Brooks Landgraf, uh, Representative Landgraf. He's, he's from the Midland area. And I do talk to uh, senators and, and legislators from time to time and, and try to get their attention and let them know that, hey, here's an opportunity for you on a silver platter to pass something. Would you like to pass this, sir, and take or ma'am, and take advantage of this golden opportunity here? And, and that's definitely one. If you want to bring accountability, if people actually care about fiscal accountability than they would actually be for that. Um, but I would love to try to pass it to see who votes against it. That's what I would be more interested in seeing. Like, who would be against this and why? I want to really hear your reasons why you don't think money should be tied to well bores and why the Railroad Commission shouldn't get it immediately and let this thing function like it should. And, and waiting on Joe Biden's infrastructure package, $30 million dollars, isn't going to help much when we spend $30 million a year. That's how much we spend a year 
plugging Orphan Wells. So we get an extra $30 million. So maybe we plug an extra 1400 and we bring the number down. Let's just be really nice and say we bring it down to 4000 Well, now we're stuck at 4000 or whatever. Or we bring it down to 3500 Well, now we're stuck at 3500 We still have 3500 wells left. You know, that's still a, a god-awful amount of money to be spent uh, getting rid of that, and we need to raise it. And, uh, you know, I, I think we can get it done. I think it's a challenge, a Texas-sized challenge that Texans can solve. And, uh, you know, we, we, we usually don't back down, right, here in Texas. And so I would love to see people step up to the plate. I would love to see some CEOs of some operators here in town, here in Houston, I don't care how small or big you are, come forward and be a part of the solution and champion this. And you will benefit from it, I promise. Well, Tom, it really is a Texas-sized problem, and we appreciate your time this afternoon for talking with us about the problem and, and, and learning what we can do to, to help. So, again, thanks for being on the podcast. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Kat, and uh, thanks, Patrick, and thanks, Andrew. Y'all, y'all have uh, been great to sit here and do this interview with. And uh, look forward to meeting y'all in person one day. And, and Kat and I will be here uh, whenever y'all want to talk again. We'll always be available. We'll give you some updates, hopefully, in the future here on, on the progress we're making. We will be right back to the Energy Strong Podcast, but I want to tell you about our sponsor, SPL. They offer end-to-end testing, measurement, and reporting solutions across the entire hydrocarbon value chain through cutting-edge technology, meticulous processes, and highly qualified personnel. SPL offers insights you can trust and act on. Check them out online at spl-inc.com. That's spl-inc.com. And now... Back to the show. Well, that's it for the show. Thanks again for listening to the Energy Strong podcast. We're a few episodes in right now, and we'd really like to know what you think about the show. So please go ahead and leave some feedback and a review wherever you listen and subscribe to your podcasts. It really is going to help us out, figure out things that we're doing well, things that you'd like to hear us do differently, and new topics that you'd like to hear about going forward. Also, don't forget that if you'd like to sponsor the show, you can reach out to us either on the Energy Strong website, energystrong.com slash podcast, or on Twitter at EnergyStrongPod, or on LinkedIn at EnergyStrong. Again, all sponsorship money goes straight to our nonprofit partners for the quarter. This quarter, that would be the Porter Billups Leadership Academy. Thanks again to Kat and Andrew for helping make this show with me. And thanks to SPL for all of your dedication and funds to help make sure that this program sounds as good as it does. And of course, thanks to Energy Strong for allowing us to do this. We look forward to having you join us again next time.